the gospel according to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them for this, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The gospel of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for being part of our relaunch Sunday. And thank you for coming here today. If you're guests in our service today, we want to welcome you to our relaunch Sunday. Now, let me tell you why we're doing a relaunch Sunday. Now, two years ago, if you were part of the prayer team, uh, I think we were sitting here. I believe the Lord told me that I need to restore you, Kevin, in order to restore others. And I remember how broken I was, even within the church or within a lot of issues with family. And I said, oh, this is what the Lord's put on my heart. But he told me that it would take two years. It takes a while to be restored. It takes a while for you to be what Christ has called you to be. And so what's fascinating about this, that, that, that in that momentum, he said purging. There's things in our life that need to be purged. That's anger, resentment, frustration. And so then, then, and I made this commitment two years ago, and a year ago, last September, our, our, our superintendent back then, Denny Wayman, said, is anyone interested in being a part of a recalibration team? I need all the help I can get. So I flew to Tampa, Florida, not knowing where I was heading to, not knowing anyone down there, but just said, I need, to help. I need some help. So I met these team of men. Three of them are from Washington, two of them are from Northern California. And man, it's an incredible relationship that I grew with these men that we met in Los Angeles, we met in Seattle, we met in Spokane, we met in Sacramento. And then just Wednesday, the team finished meeting. But I felt empowered. I felt the Lord move in a way in my life that he hasn't moved before. And so when I made this date on October 7th, I made a date not only that this church shall relaunch, but your pastor is going to relaunch. Your pastor is going to be healed from some of these areas in their lives. And so this is why I'm starting this whole series in the next four weeks simply called Starting Over. We're going to start over. We're going to have a new beginning. And what's interesting about this, if you look at Mark chapter 10, and she did a great job reading, didn't she? Man, incredible job. No one applauds for me when I read, but that's okay. <laughs> and it's interesting because Jesus said, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must become childlike. That is not a great thing for relaunch. And that's interesting. The reading that we did not read was Jesus was really teaching a hardcore lesson on divorce. And it was very a mature lesson. And then he goes right into this, this thing about children. 
And he says, you must be like this child and enter the kingdom of heaven. And so therefore, I'm not going to bag on divorce because God forbid for me to do it because I've been through a divorce. And it's very painful. And it hurts. But one thing that I know, I know what's a difficult relationship that's unhealthy. Because in my mantra, in my own personal life, relationships should not be this difficult. And so I'm celebrating 19 years of marriage with my wife now. And in March, she's up for sainthood, trust me. But one thing that I'm good at, I'm good at cutting to a chase when it comes when it comes to marital counseling or relational counseling. Because if you look on the screen, the quarreling couple tends to be very childish, but not childlike. You seen that? A bunch of little babies. And it's interesting because when I have a couple that come up to my office, and I know they're fighting a lot, the first question I ask them, I said, what did you decide that you, one of you couldn't talk about? What did you say to the other person? Do not bring this up. And I can see this. That's all I need to see. Because that one that's telling you don't bring it up gives the appearance of the mature one. That they have it together. But I've noticed a great deal of this. They're the ones with the largest diapers. They really are. And they're sitting in it too. And, and, and so you're just going, okay, let's cut to the chase and deal with this. And so there's a big difference between being childish and childlike, and I'll put it on the screen. Childish behavior is marked by a stubborn insistence on being right and having to have your own way. It is often masked in adults by pretending to be mature. Childlikeness is characterized by an openness, a, a curiosity, a creativity, a willingness to learn and to explore multiple solutions to the problem. See, what's interesting to me is not only does this, we have difficulties with couples, but this is our nation right now. Our nation is childish if you think about this. We, if we're the citizens of the country and our, the representatives who are representatives and the two parties are our parents, oh my goodness, this is not healthy. Because it's a blame game a lot. It's to, to villainize them, villainize this. And you're thinking, you're supposed to be working together, just like a marriage. You're supposed to be compromising together. You want the best for each other. But it's just fight after fight after fight. In fact, it's interesting, instead of working together, our society, we seem to have this desire to be right all the time. And so if you look, the more mature we get on the screen, the more set in our ways we seem to become. Because what happens when we say we're mature in a certain way, then we cease growing, we cease learning. And as a result, the more mature we become, the more childish we get. That's why I love Jesus, because Jesus can cut to the chase. He can see it right through it. And the thing is, we don't act like it. And so this is where I love when Mark chapter 10, 13, when they were bringing the children to Jesus, it says here, people were bringing little children to him in order that they may touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. And basically the disciples were saying, we're the mature ones. We know what Jesus wants. We don't need to ask him. We don't want children, so therefore Jesus doesn't want anything to do with children. 
And so therefore they didn't have to ask because they were the know-it-alls. They were the mature ones. In fact, you have to understand that culture, children were very vulnerable and powerless. And they were very overlooked. And people did not have time for these children. But Jesus often takes these situations in life and makes incredible teaching moments. And so the scripture says indignant. I love this. Because when we read the scripture, we think Jesus is just flowing. No, Jesus is ticked. He's very angry. And so he says this. Jesus talking about the, uh, excuse me, but when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And said to them, let the children come unto me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. Now what's Jesus talking about? Man, how hardcore can he get here? Back on the screen. Jesus is talking about the way in which we see things. In order to see the world the way God sees it, the kingdom of God, we have to see things the way children do. Our adult ego-based opinions to which we stubbornly cling will not cut it anymore. You know, children, they're incredible. They have this vivid imagination, don't they? I want to be something. I want to do something. And so this is where it's interesting when you watch a child that has this incredible imagination, that doesn't have a broken heart, that dreams. And then and, and back on the screen, children are, are open to stepping out in faith and daring to try something new because they have not yet been told that failure is a bad thing. They still understand that trial and error is how they learn. Could you imagine your son learning to walk? And he falls and goes, you stupid loser, just stay down there. <laughs> they get up. They take one more step. They're down again. Same thing with learning to ride a bike, right? <laughs> it took a while. The tremor really affects the bike riding, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> you know, when I get nervous, that's a whole other story. But I learned how to ride a bike. And it's trial and error. But somehow our society teaches us that failure is not an option. And so what happens, we live in fear. We know what we want to do. We know our dreams. We know our imagination. So our imagination ceases. So we're in school in the math class, and this teacher said, I got five, five mathematical problems here on the board. Kevin, Joe, Fred, Carol, do it. And so you're coming up to the class, and you're not wanting to learn anymore, right? You're just going, I don't want to be shamed. I don't want to be shamed. I have no idea how to do this. And so therefore, you go in that cocoon as a chuckle. As a pattern, it's interesting that when our society puts us and tears our imagination and tells us what to like, what not to like, what to be, what to do, and we, we're told to conformity in this world. And I wish it would stop there, but sometimes within the church, conformity has where we go to a certain church and you've been to many churches sometimes different churches believe in different ways and different things and so therefore what you do is you conform to what they think is right how many of us in church that have been baptized three or four times because they go oh, that one didn't count <laughs> let's go where you got to get baptized here and I, and, and I got people new people come to the church do I need to be baptized I've been baptized four times I go no you just need baptized once. 
But somehow what happened, we're so locked into our religiosity that we, we focus on behavior modification. And then we wonder why Christians do not have joy in their lives. And we're sitting there saying, because we're conforming to what he wants us, what the world wants us to be, or the church. See, on the screen, Christian maturity is often measured by what you know, and therefore we stop being like curious children who are ready to learn and grow. Instead, we settle for some correct set of beliefs and behaviors that have been handed to us, and we think that, spirit, we think that it's spiritual maturity. We think discipleship is putting away our childlike imagination and faith in favor of religious conformity. But Jesus seems... Now the opposite here. This is why I, I believe he says, you must be born again. I must become like a child again. I must have that imagination back that I can believe in things that I used to believe in. That I can do things that I thought I could do. That somehow I live in this life that I'm living and I'm conforming to. I go home, I conform. I go to church, I conform. I go to work, I conform. And nobody knows my true heart of who I am. And so we wonder why we live these empty lives. Back on the screen. Jesus is telling us to get back to the true person we were before the world started telling us who we were supposed to be. That is what restoration is all about. You know, I received a text message that was pretty brutal. That if you remember a couple of weeks, I opened up about my disabilities, about my learning disabilities, and I kind of opened up and said, this is um, how I have to learn. I have to have a sermon color-coded. I have to do this. I have to practice a lot longer. I have to do my gestures and all this. It takes hours for me to do that. So I got a text message that basically says, you're an illiterate, dumb this, and you, ride, you should be riding a school bus, a small school bus. Now, this is what I got on Monday. Now, follow me here. I read this to a group of people, the pastors, and I said, let's pray for it, because it's interesting, because I have to relaunch these names that people call us. And so I was walking with a pastor in Santa Monica, and he says, hey, about your text messages. And I go, yeah. He goes, do you call yourself that? And I said, no. And he looks at me and he says, I, I call myself that every single day of my life. And I went, wow, the words that people call themselves on a daily basis. Words that somebody spoke into our lives years ago that we're no good or we're a loser. Words that are, are, are controlling the joy of our lives where we can't live the way we want to. And so therefore, we're in this prison of words and we're reaching out and saying, I want joy in my life. I want happiness in my life. But somehow, I believe these words that people have said to me. And I'm not believing that the Lord's words. I'm God's beloved son. See, on the screen, we can't simply be ourselves because we are too busy trying to hide a terrible person we think we are. So we spoon lies straight from the pit of hell to ourselves about ourselves. Then we build this false exterior to hide this hideous person who is not even who we really are. The truth of the matter is that we are God's beloved children. 
It's interesting to me that the people that say you're worthless, they believe they're worthless. You know what I mean? Because what's happening, their critical spirit, they are ten times more critical on themselves. And so they're in that prison themselves, and they want you to be in the prison with them. That's what's going on here. And so this is where restoration talks about releasing these words that people call that, that, that said who we are. In fact, back on the screen, Jesus tells us to become like children so that we don't become set in our lying ways. The truth is we are each God's beloved children when by grace we begin to know we are loved unconditionally. We can begin to dare to become that beloved child who is not afraid to be real, to dream, to imagine, to dare, and to live by faith. As we relaunch this funky little church, I think it is. I've always been. And one of these days, I'm going to rewrite the song of Sing That Funky Music White Boy. <laughs> and I'm going to rewrite it, preach that funky word white boy or something like that every time I get up and preach. I love that song. And preach that funky sermon white boy. And so this is where it's interesting because restored in order to restore simply means we need to come back to our faith, our childlike faith. And we need to bring back our imagination because without imagination there is no faith. And we need to pray that we won't be like the disciples, limited to this maturity thinking call that we're not, we're incapable of still learning, of still being children that are sitting under the Messiah's feet, learning and learning and learning. God wants to free us up. God wants us to start over. God wants us to imagine like little children. And so my team is interesting because when I came back, I go, how am I going to do this? And so I began to ask certain people in the church, do you want to be like a child? Do you want to be part of a recalibration team? Do you want to do this? And I'm so amazed on the men and women that made a commitment to be part of the recalibration team. Not only did they make a commitment to be on the recalibration team, the leadership thing, they made a commitment to learn. And so we're in an 11-week process of recalibrating and learning to be like children of God. It's, so, it's such an interesting time of learning and growing together. I'm just amazed. Brooke and, and Pastor Ruben are incredible staff members. I don't give them any props because I'm a pain. <laughs> but when I came back in January, I go, this is what we're going to do. They jumped on board. It wasn't easy. It's not easy working with me. It's not easy being married to me. It's not easy being me. But that's a whole other sermon. I just made three points. <laughs> it's all about me. <laughs> that's the sermon. <laughs> and so at the beginning of this recalibration, you know, I sat in quiet. And I was at a uh, megboard training. And when you're part of the conference sometimes and you're doing something new, you kind of feel insecure. And so I sit there and you, you learn how to conform. So I sat there and we got brand new, we got three new superintendents. And uh, Superintendent Charles Latchison came up to me and he goes, I want to talk to you after this. I go, geez. <laughs> you know, you just go, and 
after this. What does that mean, after this? <laughs> so I can sit there and dwell on this for 30, 45 minutes? So I apologized. I, I went up to him and said, whatever it is, I'm sorry. <laughs> As a private joke, I said, you can have Al Johnson back. That's a whole thing. <laughs> That's exactly what I said to him. <laughs> yeah, I said that. But it's amazing. He sat down with me and he said, I'm very interested in what you're doing. This recalibration. I'm interested in you as a person. And I was going, oh my goodness. And so I, I made an appointment. He came to see me here. And then he came to meet the recalibration team. Because he just wants to know what is going on and learn and stuff like this. And so I asked him, I said, look, Charles, uh, Superintendent Hutchinson. <laughs> I said to him, I said, you know what? It was 19 years ago. And I want to show a picture here. 19 years ago, my fiance and I were commissioned here to be the pastors. I said, I'm a new person now. Would you mind recommissioning us in prayer? And he said, I'd love to. And I asked him this, I go, and our recalibration team? Can you pray over us and anoint us? So in the next nine months, as they develop their ministry, he goes, I would love to. So I want to introduce you to Superintendent Charles Latchison. But I just wanted to say a few words about the conference, and then he can lead us. He, he wants to lead Jennifer and I in a prayer first, and after that, we call the recalibration team. Go ahead. Already? Yeah. You're all, <laughs> I can talk more if you want. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's <laughs> okay. fine. That's fine. Uh -huh. um, what we are going to do today is something of a um, commissioning, in a sense. And it, it is like what you've already done, but like what couples do all the time is to renew a covenant for a new season, um, to publicly declare, um, renew our commitment. Um, even though we don't know what the days ahead um, will look like, but it doesn't matter because we're in covenant to, to, with each other for however we move ahead. So that's what we're going to do real quickly this morning. Is that okay? Jennifer, will you please come on up? Pastor Kevin, will you please stand right here? Thank you. Just stand next to each other. I'm going to step down for a moment and um, address. I'm going to have you all stand in a moment. The Bible speaks of in 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, it says, "He Here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer, a bishop, or even a pastor, desires a noble work or a good work, um, a noble task. And it speaks of in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, in the same way, and it says deacons. And, and what that covers is um, the type of person or the type of people 
who oversees the spiritual work and who oversees the operational work. Who oversees the spiritual care and oversees the spiritual service. That, that means that you are committed to not only grow in front of this church, but you're committed to be stretched in front of this church. That you're committed to be tested in a fishbowl and they watch how you are stretched and increased for whatever God needs you to do and whoever he needs you to be for his people. And so we want to empower, and bless, and anoint you today to do that. And so, Pastor Kevin and, and Jennifer, we pray for you. May I use this? You may. It's a lot of oil up here. <laughs> Do a lot of anointing. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Will you all please extend your hands towards them? I want to begin by praying for them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for calling this wonderful man and his wife, this couple, to care, to cover, to lead your people. Thank you, Lord, that you have entrusted so much into them. Thank you, Lord, that you're still feeding him with wisdom and knowledge and with vision. And may it increase, Lord, we anoint his eyes that he sees far beyond the hills, anoint his ears that his hearing would never be um, hindered, his hands that his work would never be hindered, his heart that his sensitivity would never be hindered, and his feet that where he goes is never out of misdirection. Forever. We bless him for this new season, and we thank you, Lord, for showering him abundantly with clear vision and the boldness to lead in it, Lord. Strengthen him, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord praise. Stand right here. <laughs> and to the Marina Christian Fellowship Congregation on this beginning of the season of the recalibration, will you please repeat these words after me? Say, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Kevin. And, Jennifer. and Jennifer, in the name of our congregation. Y'all said that pretty good. Okay. <laughs> we, commission you we commission you to this recalibration, to this recalibration. And, pledge and pledge to you our prayers, encouragement, and support. May the Holy Spirit guide and strengthen you that in this and in all things you may do God's will in the service of Jesus Christ for our church. Give the Lord praise, everyone. Bless the Lord. <laughs> you may be will the calibration recalibration team please come forward. Is that okay? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. Yeah, it's perfect. Perfect. All right. Can I have them come up here? Yeah, come on. How about there. you stand in the middle? Yeah. Okay. Can some come up on this side and some on this side? And, amen. And also the church board. 
Amen. Yes, on indeed. Church board. We got a new church board as well. Come on up, so. church board. So if your name, your names is up there. If your name's up there, come up. Because we have a brand new church board as well. It's, it's a new day to find um, a pastor who's still strong enough and courageous enough to be transparent in front of the people he's leading. It's almost like willing to swim in a midst of sharks sometimes. And even though they've seen some tears, they'll never know all the tears. Even though they heard about struggles, they'll never know all the struggles. But this day is a day of leverage. The scale tips today. And the Lord makes sure that however he sends his man, his woman, forward to do his work, he set them out to succeed and set them out to win. There were several passages I really dealt with in trying to figure out what best fits today. And I really, have found, I believe I found one that, that's fitting, and it's found in Numbers chapter 11. In Numbers chapter 11. And it's the time where Moses, um, God had called for the 70 to come alongside and assist Moses. And Numbers chapter 11 says, So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you and put the same upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. There's a lot to be said about the Lord's words in that. He says, I'm going to take the spirit that I've given you, and I'm going to place it on them. And whether some translations is a capital S, some translation is a lowercase s. So is it the Holy Spirit or is it your personality? And the best translation that we come up with it is the Lord intends both. Both. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says Israel was baptized into Moses. They received his spirit, his heart, his passion, his fire. But they also receive that of the Holy Spirit that only God can give so that all that it will take to bring about the success of this recalibration, it is not on you alone. He says, I have commissioned these to lead this with you. So I, I pray for this entire team, everyone involved. I pray that you lead sensitively willing to hear, that you lead united, that you share and, and come together. There's no lone rangers here. But you also accept the fire and the burden that the Lord intends to use his man, this family, to lead this community. And um, there is no limit to what God can do. Amen. There is such a sweet spirit and presence in this place. Please don't lose this. <laughs> Please don't lose. Don't take it for granted as if God owes you something. Nurture it. Hold it. Feed it. 
and watch how God will take you way beyond you even imagined. May I pray for you? Oh, Lord. Let's all stand in prayer. Lord, we bless your name. We thank you for every measure of grace that you have ordained to pour out on this team. Thank you, Lord, for the dream that has already begun and what started. Thank you, Lord, for how you have spoken and how you're pouring out the abundance of your wisdom. You're showing your heart. And I pray, Lord, that it's never cloudy muddy is always clear. Pastor Kevin, will you please turn and face them? If you don't mind, stretch a hand or both hands towards them. And Lord, we thank you for the evidence of your wisdom, the evidence of your grace over this congregation. And thank you, Lord, that you have poured out your heart. Now, Lord, pour out your spirit abundantly. Resource and build and cleanse, build up, tear down like only you can do, and whatever is needed, Lord. But, Lord, let the fulfillment of what you've already started be completed, Lord. And let this team see goodness, the power, the manifestation of your grace, that it will touch every home, every heart, not just in this room, but break out these walls and pour out into all the communities, Lord. We give you praise for the evidence of your grace for this new season, and we bless this team to walk in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, everyone. Let's give the Lord praise.